Gracious God, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. In the New Testament, Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 17 comprise what's known as the farewell discourse of Jesus. It's spoken to the 11 disciples. The night he was betrayed, Judas has already departed, he's already left. So this is after our Gospel reading takes place at the conclusion of the Lord's Supper. It's the night before his crucifixion. And Jesus issues a command to the 11. He says, let not your heart be troubled. And literally in the Greek, he's saying, stop being troubled. Stop worrying. And he says, stop letting your heart, now your is a plural pronoun in the Greek, so y'all's heart and the word heart is in the singular. It's not cardias, it's cardia. And so literally he's saying, stop letting y'all's heart be troubled. That is to say, the 11 are more than a collection of individuals, each with his own heart. They are that, but they are something more. Collectively, these 11 form a new thing a new organism with its own heart. So not only are the 11 troubled individually, they are troubled collectively together. And their very existence as a group is being threatened on this night. Stop letting you all's heart be troubled. Roman number one in your sermon outline, page 11 in your bulletin, why are the disciples so troubled? Why are they anxious and fearful? Well, it's because chapter 13 has just concluded, and in chapter 13, Jesus has some rather shocking things to say. Letter A, he announces, yet a little while I am with you, and where I am going, you cannot come. Now, you and I know Jesus has previously called the 12 to follow him. He's expected them to leave their boats, leave their nets, leave their families, leave everything and everyone behind and give priority to him over everything and everyone else. And they've done that. The disciples have done that, however imperfectly they have done it. They followed him for three years, but now he announces that he is going to leave them. And where he's going, they can't come. They cannot follow. I think many of us would be worried if we were in their shoes and heard the words of Jesus that night. The disciples are troubled, not only because Christ is leaving them, they're troubled 
because Jesus has announced that Peter will soon publicly disown him. Letter B. Truly, truly, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. It's as if our Lord is saying, Peter, you think you're so strong. Before the sun rises, you will disown me publicly. And if that were not enough, Jesus has also announced in chapter 13 of John's Gospel that one of his disciples will betray him to the authorities. So their fellowship, which they've left everything for, appears to be falling apart and ending in failure. That is the source of the disciples' trouble. It's the source of their anxiety. Let her see. Preemptive homesickness. Preemptive homesickness is anxiety over an anticipated separation. An anticipated separation. So the separation hasn't happened yet. Jesus is still with him, but the news of his departure has already produced anxiety in the hearts of his followers. Now homesickness in general results from the need all of us have for connection, for love and security. Despite its name, homesickness need not have anything to do with the house you live in. Anything that is familiar, stable, comfortable, and positive can be a source of homesickness when you're away from it. Homesickness is a form of grief similar to mourning a breakup of a relationship or the death of a loved one. And then there is preemptive homesickness where you develop feelings of anxiety, loss, or obsession about home before you leave because you are anticipating the separation. I think the 11 are experiencing something like that. They are missing Jesus even before he's gone. Number one, Christ has become the disciples' surrogate family. He's become their family. Uh, and, and really, he's become their parent. You'll notice he celebrates the Passover, which is a family celebration. He celebrates it not with his mother and his half-brothers, he celebrates it with his disciples, and he assumes the role of the father of the household. He breaks the bread and gives thanks, and all of that. And point number two, these men have left everything, and they've left everyone for him. So when he says, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you cannot come, the disciples are understandably anxious. Now, anxiety, the way I see it, anxiety is sin. And I say that because Scripture repeatedly and explicitly prohibits anxiety or worry, which is a mild form of fear. St. Paul writes in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And our Lord himself said in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. For your Father in heaven knows you need all these things. My friends, when you know that your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things, that is what we call faith. In Roman numeral 2, faith is the antidote to anxiety. Stop letting you all's heart be troubled. Letter A, believe in God. Believe also in me. Now that's an amazing statement. No mere creature could speak that way. Only a man who is also God can speak that way. Letter B. Heaven is the ultimate household. The ultimate household. Jesus speaks of heaven as a household, as a home. Verse 2 of our gospel reading, in my Father's house, that is heaven now, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? And let her see. Jesus departs temporarily only to return permanently. Permanently. He says in verse 3 of our reading, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. My friends, Jesus goes to prepare a place for us by going to the cross, and there we cannot follow him. The cross he bears is his alone. The burden he bears, the sin of the world, is his alone to bear. Christ's once-for-all sacrifice for our sins is how he prepares a place for us in heaven. He removes the obstacles between God and the rest of us. You and I know that life in this world is circumscribed by death. And Jesus must deal with death. Jesus must overcome death before life eternal can become available to us. Point number one, humanity has no place in God's house until Christ's work of preparation is complete. We have no place in God's house until he does his work. The Old Testament sacrifices, the blood of many animals, prepared a place for the worshiper to stand in the earthly tabernacle in the presence of God, temporarily to stand there, temporarily in that earthly sanctuary. But the blood of Christ is far superior. The blood of Jesus enables us to stand in God's presence in the real heavenly sanctuary and to stand before him forever, for eternity. Lower case A, Jesus is the Father's full disclosure of himself. He is the full disclosure of God. 
Notice what Jesus does not say. He does not say, whoever has seen me is reminded of the Father. No. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That is to say, Jesus is not some second string substitute for the Father. He is, lowercase b, he is the embodiment of the Father himself, the embodiment of the Father. Everything the Father is, Jesus is. Everything the Father says, Jesus says. Everything the Father does, Jesus does. Jesus is not the Father, but he is the embodiment of the Father. That is why John 1.18 states, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. My friends, everything there is to know about the Father is revealed to us in the person of his Son, in the words of his Son, in the works of his Son. And now, we know the Father fully and completely because we know his Son, Jesus Christ. Lowercase c. This is what the prophets look forward to and this is what we experience firsthand in the presence of Jesus. We experience the Father firsthand. The ancient prophets predicted that someday, and this is repeated again and again, the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Someday that would happen, they said. And that day is now, it is today. Jesus said to Thomas in our gospel reading, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, from today, this moment, you know him and have seen him. From now on means, from the time of my suffering and death, from the time of my cross forward, you've known the father. You've seen the embodiment of the father's words and of the works of the father. You've seen it at the cross. My friends, the cross of Jesus tells you everything there is to know, everything you need to know about the Father. You can spend an eternity studying that and not exhaust what you learn about God the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life with whom? With whom will you live eternally? It is the Father. That's the point. The point of the scriptures is to live with God once again forever. Number two, this is why the Bible ends with this thought. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That's how the book of Revelation summarizes what eternity is like. The dwelling place of God is once again with humanity. My friends, the arc of the entire scriptures is about humanity being cast out of the garden, being banished from God's presence because of sin, and humanity being sought and found by God and brought back into God's presence through the blood of the cross. That's what the book is all about. Number three. Our destination, our home, is a person. It is a person. In verse 6 of our gospel reading, Jesus said, No one comes to the Father 
except by me. Jesus describes life as a journey. We journey to the Father. We know him because he has fully revealed himself to us in the person of his Son. My friends, to know the Son is to know the Father, and to know the Father is to desire what the Father desires, and those are not the desires of this world. To desire what the Father desires is to become a stranger to this world, and we have become alien to it. Life for us, therefore, is a journey to the one to whom we belong. We desire to be with him. We yearn for his presence. When we know the Father as Christ has fully revealed him, we become homesick, not for where we have been, but we become homesick for where we will someday be. In Jesus' name, amen.